Father, I thank you that one more time we're gathered together. Your word is a lamp, a light. Your word is a sword. Your word is water to our thirsty souls, food for our hungry. Oh, Lord, we ask you to move upon us just now. For we are a people that are in need this morning. We cannot go without you. We cannot exist without you. We can do, you said, nothing apart from you. And I just pray right now, oh Lord, that this would be a, a defining moment for someone in this service. Thank you for a message about transformation. Thank you for a message about someone receiving a touch from God that released their burden. Lord, I pray that when we leave this place, we will say all together, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And everybody said amen. amen. The Old Testament is replete with stories and allegories. There are many Job stories. There are many flood stories. There are many creation stories. All of them are what we call teledotes, T-E-L-E-D-O-T-S, teledotes. A teledote is an oral tradition, not necessarily one that is written down, but it is handed down from one generation to the next generation. It is what our uh, ancients sat around and rehearsed in uh, the night times by the campfires. For the most of the people of Israel were nomadic, and most of the people of it, nomadic means they moved around. In other words, they were shepherds, and uh, they're... Uh, way of making a living was tending sheep and they had camels and they had donkeys and they had uh, uh, all rams and uh, one pastor said ewe lambs uh, <laughs> the correct pronunciation is you you lambs and then and God said to bring a perfect one when you bring one to sacrifice make sure it's a perfect one not a uh, one with a lameness about it but God realized that they were, they were all people that uh, dealt among herding sheep. Now, in uh, Israeli status, the shepherds were at the very lowest of the, of the totem pole when it comes to social standing because they handled uh, animals and things that uh, other people thought were unclean. So uh, the hierarchy was the people down at the temple, the priest and all of the Levitical people, all of the... Uh, Pharisaical people and all the Sadduceical people, they were all members of what is called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin court was made up of all of these personalities, and there were two chambers there, like our representatives and senators. Senators, well, it could be senators, but senators. <laughs> Sorry, a little Freudian slip there. <clears throat> But the Sanhedrin was divided into Pharisees and Sadducees. And uh, if Paul was very uh, acute when it came to uh, arguing and debating in those two entities. In fact, uh, when they brought him charges against him, he was the uh, object of the uh, uh, judgment. The, he said, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm born on the... Uh, circumcised on the eighth day, tribe of Benjamin. Said, buddy, I, I've got good credentials when it comes to what you boys do. And they got to fussing among themselves about 
uh, what each one of them believed as opposed to the other and forgot all about Paul. Quite a strategy there. It's called changing the subject. So in ancient times, the, the teledotes would uh, tell us about what happened on, in our ancestors. And they sat around campfires doing that, and that's called teledotes. And that's the way the tradition, the stories were handed uh, down. Flood stories, Job stories, creation stories, all of those. There, there are many numbers of them. Some of them made it into the, the canon and what is written before us. It's called the Bible, and some did not. They're in books that are called apocryphal books. That Those books are books that were worth worthy and very valuable but didn't uh, make it into the canon so they're called apocryphal books and they're gospel of judith gospel of thomas uh, shepherd of hermas several of those uh, things and they fit into the apocrypha they're beneficial because they help us assign dates and times and locations to things that aren't given to us in the books that did make the canon there are many characters but up until the 12th chapter of uh, genesis god just dealt with uh, Adam and Eve and their descendants and on down until Noah and the flood and uh, everybody destroyed except eight persons and we all then are all descendants down of the Noahic covenant and that God said I will never again destroy the, the world with a flood but he did say one day I will ca cause a fire and in the next one will be destruction by fire so we've got these uh, main figures uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appearing in the 12th chapter forward of the book of Genesis. And Abraham, we all know about Abraham who offered up Isaac who was his son because uh, God said uh, to prove his love for him and to prove his uh, integrity with God. And Then Isaac had uh, two sons, not just Jacob, but he had another son whose name was Esau. And Esau was the one that was to get the birthright. Esau was the eldest son, firstborn. That right of firstborn is really prominent in Old Testament uh, materials. You'll see a lot of instances when, when uh, firstborn and getting that firstborn blessing and that firstborn uh, uh, inheritance is, is really meaningful. So Jacob, the Bible said, was a kind of a, a, a guy that uh, was very close to his mother. And uh, Rebecca was a, a woman that God had worked out a marriage between her and Isaac. You all know that story. That's another sermon for another day. But God seemed to work in those situations and who you would marry and God worked those things out. And Rebecca, she was uh, so uh, loving toward Jacob. But the Bible said Esau was a different kind of guy. He was a hunter. He liked to get out in the woods and he loved to be outside and and bring venison home to cook. And boy, did uh, Isaac ever love venison. He really loved venison. And so when uh, Esau would go out and kill uh, a deer, he would bring the meat back and prepare it and give it to his father. And uh, the Bible said it was his father's favorite dish. And he loved it so much. And the Bible said that one day, this 27th chapter of Genesis, and there was a conversation that was being exchange between uh, Rebecca, or she was listening as, as Isaac was talking to Esau. And he said, I'm old now, son, and it's time for me to do the transfer of the blessing to you. And said, uh, we'll do that. Said, why don't you go and kill a deer and fix my favorite dinner 
and bring it over to me and said, then I'll have the strength from it to do the passing of the blessing over to you. And Rebecca heard what was going on. And the Bible said that Rebecca then got with Jacob and said, we've got to do something here. If you're going to get the blessing and the inheritance and the birthright, then we've got to fool Isaac. And said, the way we're going to do that is we're going to kill a goat. We're going to take some goat skins and we're going to put them on your arms around so that you feel hairy like Esau does because you're a smooth guy and he's a hairy guy, so you got to look like him. Well, we could preach a long time right here about be who you are and serve God where you are. Amen. Boy, we could talk a whole lot about, about being comfortable in your own skin and we could talk a whole lot about the mindset of, of where you are with God and where you stand with God and that, that kind of thing. But the Bible tells us that they successfully pulled that thing off. And Isaac, he said, I, I'm, I'm very confused here. He said, I, I don't understand. You've got, got hair like uh, skin like, like, like Esau, but you've got the voice of Jacob. And said, I don't understand what's going on here. But at, at any rate, he went on with the blessing and the Bible said he blessed and gave the inheritance to Jacob. Wow. And boy, when Jacob and uh, Esau found out he had been bamboozled, then he said, I'm going to kill Jacob. And the Bible said, and Jacob ran from the face of Esau, his brother. And on the way, as he was running away, got a great sermon on the curse of the runaway. He was running away, and the Bible said he was tired of running. His uh, mother had told him, said, you need to go over to the land of Haran, and, and Laban there, uh, who is an, an uncle, and he'll take care of you and shelter you there, but said, it's a quite a ways over there, but said, he'll, but he'll take care of you, and he'll protect you, her brother. Well, Jacob starts off and he gets about halfway. He says, I better, I better turn aside here and take a nap. And the Bible said he laid down on the ground and he took a stone and pulled it up under his head to use it for a pillow. No wonder the way the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Hard as using a rock for a stone and as hard as laying on the ground to sleep. And the Bible said when he fell into the, the sleep that there come upon him a, a, a vision. And he said he saw a vision. He saw a ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder and we're going to the top. He saw a ladder and it was ascending up to where God is. And he said there were angels ascending and descending on that thing. Well, when he woke up the next morning, he remembered his dream. And he said, surely the Lord hath been in this place. Something supernatural has happened in this place. How terrible is this place? What he meant was awesome. The translator said terrible. He really said awesome. How awesome is this place? For the Lord hath been in this place, and I knew it not. And he said, oh, God, brother, if you're going to bless me, like you say you're going to bless me in that vision, you're going to make my name great, you're going to, going to let me be, uh, the nations would bow down to my family, my successors, 
and you're going to keep me whithersoever I go, wherever I set my foot, you're going to give me that land. You're going to be a blessing to me, and everybody that blesses me, you're going to bless, and people that curse me, you're going to curse. You're going to be a friend to me, and you're going to walk with me, and you're going to bless me and everything. I just thank you, God, for the promise of the good future that I've got, and I'm going to give you my word right now, God, that I'm going to pay my tithes. If you're going to bless me like that, the tenth of my income, I promise you, I'll give it to you, God. Amen. Amen. If you're going to bless me like that, hey, anybody in this house say I'm blessed? blessed. Anybody here can say the Lord's been good to me? God's been good to me? God's blessed me? And boy, Jacob, Jacob, when he got up, he went on his his way, and when when he got down to the land of Haran, where his father or his uncle was. Boy, it's hard to keep all these families straight, isn't it? Got over there with his, his, his uncle and, and praised the Lord. He saw some women at the well watering. And uh, the Bible said it. And he saw one there that was so beautiful. Her name was Rachel. Amen. Rachel. Rachel with an E. A-E-L. Yeah. Rock L. How about that? Well, well, he said, I'm going to marry this girl. Brother, I'm telling you, she's pretty. And buddy, she works. She she waters the camels and she does things around around the farm that needs to be done. Man, she's not just good looking, buddy. She's a good worker too. Praise God. I'm going to go talk to her daddy. So he goes over to Laban and he says, I want to marry Rachel. He said, well, I tell you what, going to take a good bit of your time to get Rachel, buddy. You're going to have to work 10 years for Rachel. <laughs> buddy, it's going to be work hard every day, all day. And the Bible said, and the time seemed to pass so swiftly because his love for her was so great. Boy, it loved her so much the clock sped up. Ten years. Can you imagine when he woke up on the tenth year? And he got up and said, oh, glory to God, today's wedding day. Today is the day I've worked all these years. I've done all this hard labor and worked so hard. Today I'm going to get that pretty girl called Rachel. And he goes into Laban and he said, hey, I've done what I promised I'd do. I've worked ten years. I've served you faithfully. And I've done what a set of a do. Said, now, I want Rachel for my wife. And the Bible said, and Isaac brought out his other daughter, whose name was Leah. And I love the way the Holy Ghost wrote the scriptures. It said she was a tender-eyed girl. Girls, how many times has your husband said, come here, tender-eyed. I love your eyes. That's the prettiest feature about you is your eyes. You tender-eyed thing. And and Jacob said, no, there must be some mistake. I I didn't bargain for Leah. I bargained for Rachel. I've been working for Rachel. You can't do me this way. 
He said, it's not right to take the older girl and take the younger girl first and make the older girl wait. You get, you get the firstborn, you get the girl. You get Leah. Dun, 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 dun. Well, I'd about the time I'd been cutting out of there, Brother Jerry. He said, you're going to have to work 10 more years to get Rachel. And he said, I'll do it. How sweet. Hollywood don't write them any better than that, does it? Wow. Double time to get the woman he loved. And the Bible said, and again, the time just went off rapidly because he loved her so much. Praise God. How about that? Well, he was in business with his father-in-law, and his father-in-law was cheating him. It's something to do with spotted cows versus uh, solid-colored cows. And the Bible said, and God started blessing God started blessing Jacob and his cows started having calves and his, 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 his crowd started growing and he got many, many herds and many, many flocks and God's hand was upon him and Laban sitting over here with a little, little bit and boy here, the other businessman in the deal is just making money hand over fist because God is blessing everything he does. Isn't that something? And brother, he wound up with donkeys and camels and rams and iwi lambs and all kind of wealth and prosperity while he was working to get Rachel. Well, he finally got Rachel and all this time he'd had Leah and she had some, had some sons. And the, the Bible said that the sons of 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 Leah, I think she wound up maybe with, what, 10 of them? Is it, Don? Because Benjamin and Joseph was of Rachel, and so I don't, I don't know how many she may have, but she had most of them, most of the sons. Yeah, and the Bible said they had one daughter, and that daughter's name was Dinah. Dinah. And Dinah was a pretty good-looking girl, too, you know, Guess she took after her mother. And she started kind of flirting around with one of the king's sons there in uh, Shechem. And uh, the Bible said that that kind of developed to a situation where uh, the Bible said he, that, that man defiled her. And when Jacob came back and told the boys about it, they went over there and killed them all. Well, that, that vow Jacob had made it, it kind of got lost somewhere in all the dealing too and he quit paying his tithes and got to talking around a little bit about, about what was going on and he sat down and he said, Lord, I've got a lot of wealth. I've got flocks and I've got camels and I've got donkeys but boy, I've got family problems. My daughter's in a, in a mess and my sons are murderers, and I'm, I'm hated in the land that I'm in right now and hated in the land that I came from, and I'm, and I'm just caught kind of betwixt two, and I really don't know what I'm going to do. 
And that's where we take our text this morning. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and greatly distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Well, now wait a minute. You, you're just telling us about how blessed he is, but now you're telling us he was distressed and he was deeply, emotionally depressed about all of this stuff that had gone on. He was greatly afraid, had all kind of fear and distressed. You know, it's one thing to be happy about what you got in the bank. It's another thing to have peace and to have justification, love of God, worship, those kind of things. I believe I'm preaching to some people that have come to service this morning and you raised your hand a few minutes ago and said, yes, I'm blessed. Yes, I'm blessed. Yes, I love the Lord. Yes, he's been good to me. Yes, I tithe and yes, I give. I even sing the songs with the praise team. I've learned the words. I can sing them with them too. I know all the slogans. I know all the things people say around. I've learned the language. I've learned how to talk. Ain't God good? God is good all the time. All the time God is good. I've learned all that stuff. I've hung around here long enough that I can speak the language with you. And I've even got so good that when you're preaching sometimes, when you quote a verse, I can quote it with you. I'm blessed. Man, you're talking about a blessed man. You're looking at a blessed man, but, 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 but. Yes, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm all right. I pray prayers and, and I, I, I read my Bible and, and all, and I love the Lord and He's been good to me and blessed me, but I started to say some of you brought your butts to church with you this morning. You don't ever think anything like that, I know. Come into God, God's house with your butts. Yes, I'm blessed. Yes, save all. Yes. Holy Ghost, he abides. He abides. But, but I struggle. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I got kids that worry me to death the way they do. Got situations in my life, and oh, that appointment with the doctor this next week, I'm scared to death about what he's going to tell me. Yeah, I love the Lord. Yeah, I, I praise the Lord. He's been good to me. I'm blessed. But Jacob was blessed with all kind of things and all kind of wealth and prosperity, but he said he was greatly afraid and greatly distressed. Oh, now the Children of Israel, they say you, you can't do both. You can't, you can't worship and, and be distressed. But I beg to differ with you. You can. You can, but you don't ever lose 
sight of the fact that you've struggled with some things. And things aren't always 100%. There are some things in your life that you wish wasn't there. And there are some things in your family that you wish wasn't there. And there are some situations in your dealings with people you just wish it wasn't there. Blessed, yes. Praise God. Go to the altar. Didn't we have a wonderful time last Sunday? Wasn't it great? Praise God, we shouted all over this place and had the greatest time. Hallelujah, the Holy Ghost was here in a marvelous way. But I had to get up and go to work Monday morning. Yes, it was good when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. But So here's a man that is extremely blessed. Got a house full of young'uns, and they ought to be locked up for killing people and slaughtering people and murdering people. And I'm worried with that, and I'm worried with my daughter, and I'm worried with this situation. Seems like, yeah, I got plenty of cows. Yeah, I got cattle running out my ears. Yeah, I got sheep, rams, and and I, I got donkeys, and I got I got all kind of things. As far as you can see, the herd's so big. But I'm greatly afraid and greatly distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels and the two bands. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and smites it, then the other company which is left will escape. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of something in his past. He was afraid of something that he'd done to his brother. He was afraid of something that he had, had stolen and cheated and lied and swindled. You see, if, if there's something that you hadn't yet got under the blood, if there's something that you hadn't yet negotiated with God and you haven't worked out that thing yet, and it continues to agitate, and it continues, oh, yeah, oh, how I love Jesus. But, and Jacob said, I'm hated by Esau. Esau hates me. I did him wrong. I cheated him. I lied to him. And he said, and now he's mad at me, and he's sworn that as soon as he sees me, he's going to kill me. And I've got word that he's on his way. And he's coming to have a confrontation with me. Now, he don't know that God's working on the other end. He doesn't know what God's doing that he's not seeing. He's not hearing what God is speaking that, come on, somebody. He, he's only living in the present and living in the right now and how miserable I am right now. He can't, can't believe that he's preparing to fight in a fight that ain't going to happen. He doesn't know and doesn't believe that God has worked on the other end of the relationship and been fixing that thing and, and he's still frightened and in distress and deeply in conflict about it 
when he doesn't know what God has been doing on the other end of the thing, he just sees his immediate sorrow and his immediate disappointment and his immediate fear. And he says, he's coming after me. The only way that we can succeed is divide up in two camps and said, we'll get one camp to go on and cross the brook and we'll stay on this side over here and said, if he attacks that group, this one will survive and he attacks over here, then that one will survive and my name and my legacy and my family will have a tradition and it will go on. See, when you make your own plans and you take charge of things that you used to let God have charge of, when you try to direct things that you ought to trust God to direct, when you, when you cease to pray about things you used to ask God about before you did it, when you stop ca having confidence in God's way to do and say, well, I can do it better. So here this guy is making all these plans and he's making all this strategy out for a fight that's not even going to happen. You know, there are a lot of folks that I meet along the way that they're just fighters. I mean, any, any time of, of day, they're about five seconds away from a full-blown screaming, blood on the wall. Come on, somebody. And most of the time, it don't mount to nothing. Nothing. I went to a church one time. I, I was in a state official, and I went there to help them. They had $250,000 in the bank. Back then, that was a lot of money. And their church was divided, and the pastor called me and said, would you come over here and do a business meeting? He said, we're, we're gridlocked. We're, we're, we're 17 for and 17 against an item. I said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, we're divided on whether we need to patch our parking lot or whether we need to put a whole new surface on the parking lot. And we've got 17 who are for patching the holes, and we've got 17 that are for doing the whole parking lot. I got over there about 7 o'clock and had 17 sitting on one side, 17 sitting on the other side. And every time one would speak over here, one would have to speak over here because couldn't make more speeches than the other one was making. So here we go. At 11 o'clock. Four hours later, one old brother finally got up and walked across the aisle and said over there, and they said, Brother, Brother Jericho said, said, is this a, the end of the matter? I said, it's the end of the matter as far as I'm concerned. I said, do you brethren know we have sat here for four hours and you have argued over holes in the ground? It's amazing what people are willing to just go to the wall for. Amen. The music minister, Don, hollered at me and he said, wait, wait a minute, Brother Irwin, we need you for one more item. I said, what's that? He said, we've got these hymnals up here and said, they're well-worn, backs broke on most of them. 
and said, I, I'd like to make a motion that we get new hymnals. And I said, all right, I'm game for that. What's your pleasure? And one brother said, Brother Irwin. I said, yes, sir. He said, me and Mama was over at Kmart this last week and said, you know, they've got colored tape now. And said, I looked and said, that thing fit just perfect on the back of them things. I make a motion and we just buy some tape and put some tape on the back of them. I said, I'm going home, boys. <laughs> it's, it's not those uh, <clears throat> big, big things like color of carpet and that kind of thing. Gets, it's them little things like murder and extortion. Can you believe the things we're willing to fuss and fight over? God help us. Here this, this man is saying, all these flocks, all these herds, and I'm making all this strategy. And Jacob said, oh, God, my father. Well, verse 8, he said, if Esau come to the one company, smite at the other one. He's thinking then. I think if you've got the NIV, it, it says he thought. Then you go to the next verse, and he starts praying. Well, why didn't you pray before you thought? You might think different after you pray. <clears throat> Sorry, it's just slipped in. And Jacob said, Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says to me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all of those mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. There was a time when all I had was a stick in my hand, Lord. Boy, you've blessed me. You've been good to me. There was a time when I crossed over this, this uh, body of water once before. All I had in my hand was just a staff. And here I am trying to get thousands of camels across and thousands of cows across and bulls across and donkeys across. When I come here, I had nothing but a stick. And look at me now. He said, Lord, I bless you. Thank you so much, Lord. Well, if you're thanking the Lord and you one time had a stick, now you got all this other. Why in the world are you so distressed? And why are you so deeply sorrowed? I am not worthy of the least of all these mercies. Lord, you've blessed me. You've been so kind. You've been so wonderful. I'm not worthy. But Lord, would you deliver me from the hand of my brother? From the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. In other words, he's saying, I'm afraid that my posterity will die. And there will not be anybody to carry on the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. He said, I'm going to give him a present. When I see him, I'm going to send him a present. The Lord's blessed me, and I'm going to become a giver. Boy, that went over hard. What happened? He said, now that I've got plenty, I'm going to start giving. 
God, you've blessed me. I'm going to be a blessing. Come on, somebody in this house. I'm going to be a blessing. God, you've given to me. I'm going to, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to send my brother. And this time he didn't know. Again, he didn't know. But thank God he's getting to thinking better, isn't he? Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother. For the hand of Esau, I fear him. He's going to come and smite me. Now said, I will do you good. Make seed and sand to sea. And he lodged there that night, took of that which came into his hand, and he made a present for Esau. Listen to what he's going to give him. 200 she-goats. Now she-goats multiply pretty quick. She-goats. 20 he-goats. 200 ewees. 20 rams. 30 milk camels with their coats. 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-donkeys. You thought I was going to say it, didn't you? And 10 foals. You see, there's a blessing when you get to the point that you release. I said there's a blessing that comes when you experience release. Brother, when you release people that you feel like has offended you, when you release things that you've held on to for years and years, when you release those things and you release those feelings and you release those emotions and you re release that, that worry and that anxiety and that fear and you release all that stuff, there's a blessing attached to that. I said there's a blessing attached to that. Brother, if you can ever reach that place that Jacob got to and say, I know he's trying to kill me. I know he, I know I, imagination just run away with him. Ain't going to happen. But here you are living in dread and worry and fear and anxiety, beat down, depressed, deeply distressed over something you don't know a thing in the world about. That's what worry will do to you. That's what we're, we've got pastors, bless their heart, and, and every time they see a couple of members talking, they, they feel like they're talking about me. Are you so insecure and paranoid? I, I, I've told it before about that little years ago, we was up on the hill then, Brighton Avenue come, I got through preaching one morning, she come up to me, she said, who set you up to preach to me today? I said, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't tell me. You got too many things right. Somebody done set you up to preach to me. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Anything about you, you're telling me more than I've ever known about you anyway. And I said, do you think that I would prepare a sermon for 500 people and walk in here and just single you out and let 499 go home empty because I aimed at you? Oh, you think you're that important? Come on, somebody. You think I'm going to ignore every other human being on earth? 
just for you? Mm. He lodged there when he came his hand a present for Esau. All of these things, that blessing that's attached to that release. Come on, Olivia, and help me. That'll make them feel better. There's a blessing attached to that release. Now, some of you are control freaks, and you understand. I said, you understand when Jacob starts making all these strategies, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to, going to work this. God said, why don't you just step aside and let me handle this? I've already talked to Esau, and I've already told him that there's a blessing for him, and everything's going to be all right. He's cool with it. Come on, somebody. You've got to give God a chance to do what he wants to do. Amen. Biggest thing about waiting on God, that's the toughest discipline that there is in the Christian faith, waiting on God. What's Harvest doing right now, brother? Waiting on God? Brother Jerry, what are you doing right now? Waiting on God? What should every one of us do? Wait on God? For in due season, he will lift you up if you just won't faint. If you just won't cave in. The Bible said in due time, for I reckon. Anybody reckoners? I reckon. They laugh at me up north when I preach up there when I say, I reckon. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be mentioned compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. What he's saying is it's not worth the air it takes to push it out your mouth and form the words. Oh, glory to God. When you think about what God has in store for his people, when you think about that glad reunion day, when you think about the blessing of the Lord and the presence of the Lord and the power of his might and the power of his spirit, my Lord, all the grumbling we can do ain't worth the air it takes to push it out. Amen. It's not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Know ye that in this world you will have tribulation. No way around it. But Paul said, I have learned. I have learned. I have learned. When infirmity comes, he said, I rejoice in infirmities. And he said, I count myself happy. Happy? Happy about what? To suffer. Shame for his name. And he said, if you want to get right down to it, he said, all of these things, all these, none of them move me. Agabus got to prophesy in Holy Ghost on him. And he walked over and he took a piece of Paul's garment. He said, the man that owns this garment, when he gets to Jerusalem, 
bonds and afflictions abide him there. The apostle Paul said, Agabus, I know that's the Holy Ghost telling you to tell me that. But he said, listen to, to this. I am willing not only to be bound. I am willing not only to be beaten. I'm willing not only, hey, I'm willing to die. Not just be beaten and suffer and die. I'm willing to die that the gospel of the Lord Jesus might be preached. None of these things move me. Oh, what are you saying, Brother Jerry? I'm saying the Apostle Paul must not have had much of a butt. Because he had an affirmation. I know who I am in God. I'm committed to him. And I know that he's committed to me. And I know that everything that I commit to him, it's safe with him. Well, what was the end result? Turn to 35. 35. Genesis 35. And I'll quit, I promise. 35th chapter. Going to have to get my glasses out to read it because this is that fine point. When 35. Got it up there for me? Genesis 35. And God said to Jacob, Arise. First thing you got to do is get up. Get off of that seat. Come on. First thing you got to do is get up. When you're sitting on that seat of the scorner, you got to get up. Arise and go back to Bethel. What in the world was Bethel? That's the place where that ladder. That, that was the place where, where he pulled that stone up under his head and used it for a pillow. Bethel. See, the next morning he got up and he took a bottle of oil and he anointed those stones and he said, from henceforth this shall be called Bethel. You know what it means? Bet L. L means God. Bet means of the family of or the house of. Beth L means the house of God. So God said, get up and go to the house of God. Get up. Get up. Get ready and go to church. Go to Bethel and dwell there and make you an altar there when you get there. Make you an altar there unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother while you was on the run. Sitting there with your face in your hands talking about how distressed you are. What you need to do is go, to, go back to Bethel. Go back to that place where you first felt that place where God was. Surely the Lord hath been in this place. Dwell there and make thee an altar that appeared to thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Next verse. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods. What? Can you say, what? No, you ain't saying it right. Say it like this. What? Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. Go back to God. Go back to church. Go back to the house of God. But get rid of all that mess you're fooling around with. And change your garment. Woo! Gonna go to God's house, get you a garment of praise. If you're gonna go to God's house, get you a of righteousness. Praise God. Let me paraphrase. Let me paraphrase this a little, then we'll go. Promise. 
Jacob said, listen, family, I've heard from the Lord, and we're going back to God's house. We're going back to where we first met God. Should never have left that place in the beginning. But bless God, we can correct what we've done now. We can go back. Been 20 years since he'd seen his daddy. Let's go back to Bethel. Here they go, started back to Bethel, all on their way. And God said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You ever had God stop you? Whoa! Here comes Jacob with his band, marching toward Bethel. God said, stop, Jacob. Your wife has got hidden in her belongings a statue of a pagan god that she stole from her daddy. You've got to be kidding me. We're going back to God, and you steal something and put it in your bag to carry with you to church. And of all the things you stole, you stole a God that somebody else worships as theirs, but he ain't yours. And God said, get rid of that stuff. Hey, Jacob got out there and he got his toe sack out. They sure love that one. When I preach in Maine, I, I call that a toe sack. You ought to seen those, uh, what? Got him a sack out and started gathering up them pagan gods. And the Bible says, read that 35th when you get home. And he started putting them in the bag and he loaded them all up, threw it all over his shoulder. And the Bible said he went off up the hill and he found an oak tree. Charles, one of these days I'm going to look up why that was an oak tree, not a pine or an asher. An oak tree. And the Bible, God told him, said, dig. And said he dug around that oak tree. And God said, throw those things in that hole you just dug. And he threw those pagan gods, those icons. And he threw them in there, kicked the dirt around, covered it up. Went back and he said, now then, we're ready to go to God's house. Oh, blessed be God. Stand with me, please. Release. There's a blessing that comes with release. What happened to, to Jacob, Brother Jerry? While he was laying there in that, that ground wondering what he was going to do, the Bible said, very simple, in that same passage there in 32, it says, and he wrestled with a man. All night long, he wrestled with a man. How about that? Wrestling with a man. Well, who in the world was it? There's a lot of preachers likes to make Jesus out of that. Don't know if it's Jesus or not, but it was a, a being of some kind from God, I'll say that. And he, he, he wrestled with that, that being. And the Bible said, said that about the sunrise, Jake, Jacob said, said, oh my God, said, it's almost daylight. Let me go. Let me go. That angel said, said, you better be letting me go. And the Bible said the angel, Brother Paris, touched him in his hip, in the sinew in his hip. 
And then the Bible said that the angel left him. Praise the Lord. What was the result of that encounter? He said, I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. I'm not going to have a release like I want until you bless me. I've got to receive the blessing. Praise God. Hallelujah. And for your information, Jacob walked with a hemp lip the rest of his life. And every time he'd meet somebody, and they'd introduce him to somebody, he'd say, this is my friend Jacob here. He said, well, Jacob, did you get hurt in a car wreck? Did a chariot run over you? How'd you get that hip? You're walking with that, that lamp around. He said, I got a hold of something from God one time. <laughs> and I wrestled with it. I wasn't going to turn it loose. I wasn't going to let it go. I wasn't going to let it get away from me until I got the blessing. He said, well, I'll just have a testimony the rest of my life. You see that old man limping around because he got a hold of God sometime. I wish some of you could get in some way so it would tell everybody around he touched God he got a hold of God he got blessed of God hallelujah <laughs> Lee Brasher used to put another deal on the end of that story he, he used to tell it like this he said I, I, I'd like to have seen that angel when he got back to heaven All right. yeah. and he walks down with one limp hang, wing hanging this away and the old angel comes into heaven and he's trying to get around where God is. And God said, what happened to you? Well, the old angel said, God, anytime you want the waters of the Red Sea parted, I'll be glad to do it. God, anytime you want the sun rolled back in the heavens like it did for Gideon, I'll be glad to do it. Anytime you've got to go get somebody out of prison or do something spiritual, a miracle thing, I'm your man. But please don't ever send me around that man Jacob no more. He don't know how to let go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hold on to God and release all your worry. Release all your anxiety but hold on to God. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the mercy of God. Thank you for all the blessings that you have bestowed upon people in this house. And as we've heard today, oh Lord, those blessings can't save us and those blessings can't do anything about anything. But the one thing that really counts is our faith and our confidence in God. And right now, oh Lord, we ask you to grant us that assurance, Lord, that you're with us. And if you're with us, we shall prevail and we shall be victorious. We love you and praise you. Give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.